Two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. <laughs> it's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step So, uh, hi everyone. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. Welcome. 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 Oh, he's back. Fuck you. Oh, there you go. Now you're perfect. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't my internet, so I don't know. All right, so I'm going to start out hot here, guys. First and foremost, before we get started, can we just acknowledge how wrong we all were about the national championship final score? Yeah, I... I didn't think you we, specifically. We took the under. <laughs> we took the under big time. I don't know what you're talking about. I said Georgia wins 65 to 10. I don't know. I I, I called it perfectly. I don't know what you're talking about. Gatto, way, Gatto, can, Gatto, can you do, can you delete the last episode just in case? Uh, thank you. Um, yeah. I want to. I'm going to come out hot here and say Duval. Okay. Jacksonville Ooh. Jaguars. My 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 lock of the week last week. And it wasn't perfect, but they fucking did it. Jacksonville is Thunderdome right now. The fact that they won that game. Like, it was going to be typical Jacksonville when they were down, like, what, 27 to nothing at the end of the first half. And then they just storm right back. It was 27-0, and they scored right before the half ended. And I, I, I literally said it in the Discord, guys. I said, don't underestimate Brandon Staley's ability to fuck shit up. Yeah. And I mean, said Brandon Staley said fucked up. What is it about the Chargers and the Falcons that just they love losing in the most heartbreaking ways possible? Dude, I don't know. I mean, that was that was bad. I was at a bar. Granted, um, granted, I was in a bar, not really paying attention to it. And I, for, for every reason I shouldn't have to, right? Like it was 27 to seven at half. And I was yeah. like, this game's fucking over. Trevor Lawrence doesn't look great. Four and interceptions in the first I, half. Yeah. I get home and I'm watching TV for a second. Then all of a sudden I flip over to that. I'm like, holy shit. And it's like, Jaguars are celebrating. Everyone's happy. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> 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 no so. uh thank you mario mario uh thank you for dropping in a question absolutely fucking not um that 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 loves that lovely story of the jacksonville jaguars is over after this week because patrick mahomes is gonna fucking stomp a mud hole into them um i think uh i all right so w- let's start with brandon staley right because what the fuck do you do with him at this point I mean, we talked about that last week, right? Um, that the Chargers reluctantly got into the playoffs. You're like, oh, fuck, we have to hang on to this guy. We really wanted to fire him, but we can't now. 
Um, I think this is the best way that you can fire him where you just tell everybody like, look, they blew a 27 point lead against a team that they were supposed to beat. Did they play? Where did they play? They played in Jacksonville, right? Yeah. Cause Jacksonville was the uh, division winner. Not exactly like a resounding, like home field advantage in Jacksonville, but I think this finally gives San Diego the ability to fire him Los Angeles. Hire Sean Payton. Los Angeles, Tom. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> They're San Diego because they blew that fucking game. Yeah, you can't. You earn Los Angeles. And, yeah. Uh, the Rams earned it. Earned it by being t- fucking terrible. Um, Mario dropping in. He thinks that they beat Kansas City. That's bold. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't see Kansas City losing um, this year, but it's... I don't know, man. We've been talking about teams of destiny, right? And like the Giants are kind of giving you a little bit of that. Like I don't, I think the Phil, I think Philly beats them this this Saturday. But um, Jaguars could be that team of destiny. But I, I don't know. I just, I just don't think. That, I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose. I just, I mean, watching, watching how how much they had to like, like Trevor Lawrence has to fight for every inch on that football field, man. It's not it's not an easy road. And he's gonna go against teams that make it look fucking easy, right? And that's the problem. It's you gotta be on that level for, for the next round. Like like all all the luck runs dry after this week. Right. I will say though, it's a Doug Peterson coached team and for what it's worth for Peterson, like they've done this before in Philadelphia where they were not expected to do a whole lot. And he was able to at least put something together. So that team was competitive and they were fortunate enough to go to the super bowl and they won it. I don't think the Jaguars are going to win the super bowl, but I think there is more fight in that team than what people assume because it's basically filled with first round top 10 picks. They've got a lot of guys who are really talented on that team. Trevor Lawrence for what a shitty first half was, the second half, I think, is really telling for him, and he deserves a lot of credit. But also Travis Etienne as well. Evan Ingram, former Giant, on that team. Which I'm a big had, Andre Cisco fan. You just, is, you just is, had to throw that fucking thing in there, didn't you? <laughs> and, and I, I agree with uh, Mario about this, is that Jacksonville's defense is fucking good and yeah. kept them in that game for sure. I mean – it's it's got to be statistical anomaly that a team rests their their offense in on a quarterback that throws how many picks four you threw four, four in the first half four in the first, in the first half. half right and and their 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 go to receiver was Evan Ingram and as a Giants fan I could tell you that is Scary. not the horse I want to bet on in a race let's let's put it that way but but all right i'm I'm bringing this back to brandon staley because you're a fucking defensive head coach right he was the rams defensive coordinator before taking this job how do you let that happen like i mean come on like that that is that is unexcusable especially when you like you look at what um the Colts went through with the Vikings like you have to know that it's a playoff game it's four fucking quarters and like I don't know like I mean I understand being confident going into the half but like it's just ridiculous 
I mean, you just fall asleep. Like you literally just decided to take a nap on the sideline at that point, right? Like there's no other answer. Like nothing. You have nothing. You can't come up with anything. Like there, there's no plausible way that Jacksonville wins that game. Jacksonville had five turnovers, right? Like, and you think like anything that's like three or more turnovers, like there's a good chance that you're going to lose that game. They had five, I think, in just the first half alone. And they were able to march back. And I don't know whether it's just Brandon Staley's inexperienced and he doesn't know how to, like, motivate a team for the entire time or he's just overthinking it. But, dude, like, you just need to coast at the end of the game. Like, give the ball to Austin Eckler and the backup running backs and just, like, burn the clock as much as you can. And they were not able to do it. There, there's a thing about momentum, right? Because, like, if you, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the Giants and the Vikings, but the momentum seemed like it was swinging a lot back and forth. And the second half of that, um, J- that Jags game, it just felt like Chargers had no momentum at all. And, like, you, I, I mean, like, you have to switch it up a little bit. If it's obviously not working. Like, if you start seeing that lead start to evaporate, you got to do something different. You got to be able to change the game plan a little bit. And it just felt like they, he, like, I think everyone kind of felt it. Like, it's like slowly but surely, it just started, the leads started evaporating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you're, if you're a Chargers fan watching that, you kind of had this sense of like a slow, like a slow speed train wreck coming right. your way. It was, <laughs> and you couldn't look away. You had to. And, and there were, there were certain things too that like they did not need, like Joey Bosa at the end of the game. Uh, slamming his helmet not once but what twice. You, what do you think he said to that ref? Because like they zoomed in on it, and the like he says something, and then the ref like literally runs after him, and then pretty much like throws a flag. He must have said something fucking pretty bad. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm curious about that too. There's been a lot of like, there's been a lot of people saying that this is just the refs doing more than what they deserve or like, oh, in, the, they're, in they're, the giants game. Yes. Yeah. They're trying to like take all the attention away, but like, I mean, there's a whole other team that had reasons to be upset and they didn't do that either. I think just Bose is a weirdo. Well, yeah, him and him and his brother, Mario, hundred percent Mario, uh, Mario wrote that Chargers fans were like, here we go again. Yeah. I, how many times can you fucking have this happen where like, you're you're seeing like you're you're blowing these huge leads. I mean, the Chargers Chargers usually just lose the these games like constantly. Now, going forward, Tom, you kind of alluded to it. I think Denver is probably pissed right now because I think Denver was the favorite to land Sean Payton, and now the Chargers. I mean, they haven't fired Staley yet, but like it's still early in the process. I have a feeling that he's goner. Um, sooner rather than later. And I think they become the favorite because, I mean, if you're stacking both jobs equally, right, mm-hmm. I get to coach Justin Herbert or I get to coach old-ass Russell Wilson. I'm picking Herbert every single time. There's pieces there for sure. And, like, yeah, there's already a, a defense that is really rock solid. Um, and, you know, Keenan Allen's getting up there. Mike Williams can't stay healthy for shit. But, like, you can always add targets. So, like, I mean, Justin Herbert can make make it work with people. But – I, I have a feeling now the only thing that could happen is tonight if Tom Brady is, by the way, undefeated against the Cowboys in his career, 
um, in games that he he has the most wins of any quarterback in games that he is an underdog in, which they are. They are home. Mike McCarthy, not necessarily the best guy in these type of pressure situations. There's a chance that the Cowboys blow tonight, and I feel like McCarthy's got to go. And do the Cowboys get in on the Sean Payton thing? And remember, Sean Payton, I think there's been a um, connection there with Jerry Jones for a while. So this could be interesting for Sean Payton. Um, yeah, and I just want to go back real quick just to the Chargers because um, Mario asked the question about does the co- coaching change help? From what I'm seeing online right now, it doesn't look like Staley's out. Um, no, no, nothing. Nothing's been uh, decided yet. Herbert did give him a pretty nice uh, endorsement. But. The, the team is backing him, and there's a report Chargers are strongly considering keeping him around. So I don't know. Maybe they just let this happen, and they say we'll try next year. Next year, probably he's well. Next year, he's definitely on the chopping block, right? So, I'm wondering if they give him the old-fashioned like we're going to fire one of your guys, put a former head coach in as a coordinator, and if you can't get it done in like the first six weeks of the of the season, you're done, and we're just going to go in that direction. So, you know, they'll find like a, a more apt offensive coordinator or somebody who's got head coaching experience. And then, you know, if they're what, two and three to start the year or, you know, even three and three, you know, their, their expectation is to go to the Super Bowl, And if they can't get it done with Staley, they're going to find somebody who can. So, you it's know, such a, it's such a bad idea though, because like you're, you're is, almost kind of, you're almost kind of like, like basically sacrificing another year then, because like if, and, and honestly, like Staley, you're not, you're not coaching well, if you're ultimately making decisions to stop yourself from getting fired. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you're making decisions like that's, this is the whole reason why I said Joe judge should have been fired um, before 2020, because you could tell he was coaching for his job rather than doing the things that like a confident coach would do if they knew they had the endorsement. So with, with Staley, you either have to like double down on him and give him an extension. Like, even if it's just hack another year on whatever to be like, no, we're behind him a hundred percent or you need to just fire him clean house and move on. Yeah. It's, it's weird when you have a team that, you know, won 10 games in the regular season, um, but maybe Tom's suggestion of you bring in a OC that has some, you know, postseason experience um, that can Frank, help write the ship. Frank Reich. Eh, maybe. Again, he's got experience with that team, so I don't think it would be the worst idea. And he's an offensive guy, and that's what they need. They have – they're sneaky good on defense, but I think a lot of those guys are – like retreads from other teams. Like Khalil Mack is not the same guy he was like four years ago at this point. So no, and they went out and got they paid a lot of money for JC Jackson um of Mario's Patriots. Um and he was a major bust. Um, yeah. Got benched and then he got injured. So just uh not great. Yeah, so um they're in a they're in a tricky spot, but I know that you had a question, Q, but I just want to go back to one other thing. Like, are we still 
are we still in a position where we think that Trevor Lawrence, like, is what do you say for the four interceptions in the first half? And then what do you say for the touchdowns that followed it? I think there's two things to be said. One, he's still very much a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, he shows incredible fight and spirit, right? Because he didn't let that get him down and he was able to continue out that game and get to a level to perform, to put their team in places to win. And both of those things are very juxtaposed. They're, they're kind of conflicting, right? He's not, Mm -hmm. he's definitely just not refined. And I think only with experience, because let's look at Danny dimes, right? Like he was notorious for trying to force the play, right? Try to make Mm -hmm. a play happen. And, it was turnover city. And that's what I felt like the first half, it was Trevor Lawrence trying too hard and, you know, making bad judgment calls, throwing off your back foot, um, trying to get it in, in, in the place that it's not supposed to be making bad reads, kind of being reluctant to throw it to like the, the right choice on the route runs. You know, it was, it was that, that you saw in that first half and he was able to bounce back and make the adjustments and calm himself down and continue. And that's tremendous. Because a guy like that, you know, he's going to try his ass off and he's going to he's going to perfect his game over time. So I think if you're a Jacksonville ja- Jaguars fan, you are excited about what the future holds with Trevor Lawrence for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. I 100 percent agree. And like the biggest thing uh, when it comes to quarterbacks is confidence. Right. And like a lot of guys, when they throw when they have a bad game like that, they go into a shell and they just like they just evaporate and like they lose confidence. And then that's what leads to the worser games. The fact that he was able to like throw four interceptions, kind of just shake it off and then end up getting a win. It's it's going to be a footnote. No one's going to give a shit in yeah. like next week. Yeah. And so sure. like next week, you just shake that off. You won. Who gives a shit? Move I on. think most people already forgot that he had an abysmal first half. Right. No one and, cares. Yeah. And and. Mario's right. You know, it's, it's, they started him right away. And, you know, conventional wisdom says that's not the move with any, any quarterback you hope to wrap your franchise around. Right. You know, they're going to be gun shy um, for a very long time that way. And maybe their entire career, because that's the experience they get coming into the league. So, you know, I, I honestly, my hat, my hat's off to Trevor Lawrence, like congratulations, man. Great game. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he, I think he's. Uh, I I think this game will be a bigger test because if he goes out there and he do, he has another meltdown game like if he if he does that again, but then doesn't recover. I, I don't think I don't think anybody's really thinking about it though. He's also twenty three years old, so it's like yeah. you can, the fact that he's even in the playoffs. I feel like is good enough to to make you feel pretty good. And that division, let's be real that that division is not going to be good anytime soon. So no, he's safe for now. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't think it's going to matter. Tom, I want to shift it a little bit because um, mm-hmm. you know what? Commanders are out of the playoffs, and we'll get to the Giants eventually. Um, I've been reading up on the Commanders, and it looks like two guys have kind of emerged as potential candidates. Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> former Giants head coach Pat Shermer. Oh, God. And former Lions coach Jim Caldwell. Yeah. Which I kind of really like. Um, but we talked about it yesterday that me and Kimes actually had made kind of a good point that watching the Giants and watching how they've treated Daniel Jones, it actually kind of fits what Sam Howell can do. Mm-hmm. Almost like should try and mimic um, that offense. Where do, where do you where would you want to go with the Commanders' offense coordinator? 
based on what you know if it's now. Pat Shermer, I'm walking into the fucking woods. I'm taking the headset off and I'm walking into the woods. I don't woods. know, man. Like, listen, he's not exactly what you want um, as a head coach, but like, so he's not a bridge guy. So, like, if, if, if uh, Ron's getting fired midway through, I don't think he's like an inspiring guy to, to be taking over, but like, did good things with Minnesota. Um, wasn't bad for Denver. He made he made Teddy Bridgewater look like a playable quarterback. I don't know. I Daniel, am. I Daniel am. Jones, Daniel Jones's rookie year was very good, so I'll just point that out. Yeah, I'm curious of what Jim Caldwell would be because I think he's gotten kind of like a bad. He has not been given the chance that he deserves. I mean, he had a winning record in Indy. He had a winning record in Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. I think well, if you, I think if you want to create like a an offensive unit that is very disciplined, which is a good thing for them because they are always notorious for penalties and just brain dead plays. I think that's a good option. But I'm also wondering too, like this this coaching staff already feels incredibly stale as is. Like Ron Rivera didn't even know they were out of the playoffs. Q and on Jack. Um, like they are they are going in the opposite direction of all those guys that have left and have ended up taking other jobs. So I'm wondering, like, is there somebody that they can find who's like a receivers coach or a quarterback's coach from Kansas City, from LA, from another up-and-coming program that they can scoop in? grab that person and be like, Hey, you ran these really cool plays with all these other guys. Let's see what you got here. And then go from there. I think they need a little bit of energy on that team because they, they play really conservatively on defense. I don't really want like if the team is not going to be good, I'd rather them be aggressive and not good than conservative and boring. Like I'd rather have them lose 50 to 49 than the games that they've been losing where it's, you know, 15 to six or some shit like that. Well, I've, I've thrown it out there that like, I don't want to see this happen, but I think it wouldn't be bad if you guys hired uh Shay Tierney, who was the bills assistant QB coach. He's now the current QB coach for the giants. Um, I think that style, I think if you look at Daniel, how they're playing Daniel Jones, that's kind of how you want to play Howell. He, he did rush for a thousand yards in his last year at North Carolina. So he is a good runner. Mm-hmm. Um, maximizing that ability to be able to like run and pass. So I think it's a good offense for him um, and plucking from a very good staff right now. And that's this, this is the thing that's worrying me, but I want to also throw out something for you, Tom. Mm-hmm. Are Lay you on me? Are you, so I, we were all seeing what happens with the Ravens, right? Lamar yeah. Jackson did not travel with the team, which is a big thing. Now it could be, I have nothing. a thought on that, but I'll let you finish. Okay. Could be nothing. Right. It could be that they have a rule that they don't travel injured players. Right. Maybe he stayed home for rehab. There seems to be some friction and it's it, more than ever. It feels like they're going to try and move on from him. Potentially. Sam Howell. Or trade a couple first round picks and go all in on Lamar Jackson. I mean, in a normal world, Lamar, but. I think I want to see what Sam Howell can do because the last couple of years they've tried to find guys who are outside of the program, as I call it. Um, and we it hasn't it the worked. program, Tom. <laughs> hey, 
Get with the program, Gatto. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still hesitant to do something like that because I think if this team is like barely functioning as it is, like it has a decent defense, offense has its moments, but I am afraid if they get Lamar, they're going to have to pay him. They're not going to have enough money for anybody else in that team, and we're going to be right back to square one, except we're going to have a really good quarterback but on a really shitty team. Um, I'd rather, frankly, I would rather them try with Howell um, and continue to draft offensive talent around him and then just see where it goes. Like, I love Lamar Jackson. Don't get me wrong. But I think that's not a good fit for him. But also, it's not a good fit for Washington because they are still too dysfunctional to have somebody like him. Like, they need they need to have, like, a young guy playing so they can find themselves through that process. Um, but to go back to the thing about Lamar, I heard that last night, too, when I was watching the game where they're like, Lamar didn't travel. I'm like, yeah, probably because he doesn't want to make this a big fucking thing. Like, every time that Tyler Huntley makes a mistake, they're going to cut right to Lamar Jackson and be like, you know, that could have been him out there. I have thoughts about the people who are critics of Lamar Jackson in my asshole of the week segment, but I think it's, it was smart for him not to be there because it would just distract people too much. Like all the questions would be all about like, Lamar's here. Can he play question mark? Every time Huntley fucks up, they're going to like cut to him and then blame Lamar for it. And I think, for the sake of shifting some of the narrative away from him, it's probably good that he wasn't there. It, it's yeah. a damned if you do, damned if you don't moment, right? I agree. Like, it, like there wasn't going to be, he wasn't going to come out of it looking good either way. Um, just the fact that some people think that, you know, this was uh, a, a decision on him. You know, he, he went out on Twitter and he said, look, this is a grade two PCL sprain. Um, bordering on a grade three, it is not ready for gameplay. And you know what? He's absolutely right to worry about the longevity. If he wants to be there for his team or for his career, he needs to take care of getting healthy before playing. And like we're a week at like a week ago, you know, we saw what happened on on the football field where someone nearly lost their life. And it's like we need to remember that these are people that are putting their bodies on the line every Sunday, right? Yeah, and it and it it seems like Baltimore is trying to make like really passive aggressive plays at him not playing, and like to it, lower his value for negotiations to or... lower his value, but also turn the fans against him too, and that really bothers me, especially a team like Baltimore who's never had a good fucking quarterback in the entire history of that uh, franchise. Flacco? Excuse me, the elite Joe Flacco. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. I'm going to make that claim. Tom the, said what he said, folks. He's the best quarterback they've had on that team from a talent perspective and an output perspective. Like, how dare you? Joe, Joe Flacco, despite being elite, never won an MVP. Listen, uh, I, I think this whole situation, I, I don't blame him for feeling the way he feels because he's seeing that they're paying everybody else around him. And it just doesn't seem like they're coming even close to where he wants to be. So, mm-hmm. and like for anybody who is like, I think Michael Vick said, put a brace on it and play. And then RG3 actually had a good response. Like, 
mm-hmm. him wearing a brace and like that game that pretty much ruined his career where he played, I think it was a playoff game. If I'm yep. Yeah. Correct. Yes, yeah. It was. And he it's went out there. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I remember that game. It was brutal. He was just getting destroyed. He was Shanahan left him out for dead. I thought they were gonna game. have to scrape his leg off the field at one point. Yeah, I I, I was rooting for the Seahawks pretty hard in that game, obviously. I know like, we were watching it together. We, we were, were at we hurricanes. Were, we were at hurricanes. I was just gonna say we were at hurricanes. <laughs> they had the craziest deal of the century. God, I oh, missed yeah, that deal. That thing, it was like what five free wings every time you ordered a beer. It was crazy. Yeah, get get like a what like a. 30 ounce beer or whatever, yeah. or 20 ounce beer, and five then you get wings. five free boneless wings or whatever. Yeah. And it was just like, oh man, I will, I used to leave there so drunk and full. <laughs> that was a day shift bar for us. Like you go there at one, you don't leave until like 9 30. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, even I felt bad during that game. I was like, just get him out of there, man. Put cousins in at this point. It's just it's just disgusting. So yeah, and not because of the wings. <laughs> <laughs> I, we used to get to the point where we'd be like, what, what, what flavor you want this time? No I'm more. like, I can't eat any more wings. No. Give, give them to the person who's like staring through the window. Yeah. I just don't need these anymore. Give it to Tiny Tim. <laughs> Please, sir. I want to play some, some Powerball. All right. So I'm going to get there. The New York fucking Giants, baby. I had a feeling they were going to win this game, and it was pretty deflating, though. I'm not going to lie. When when you just watch the Vikings just streak down the field, and it just like it just felt that, like I'd seen this movie before. That opening drive, it was like, oh, are we going to get the Giants that can't get mm-hmm. anything going? They're not able to make the adjustments to get stops. It, yep. it was like, are we going to watch that? And then we did not. <laughs> we We watched something I don't think Giants fans have ever really seen before. Well, I mean, you know, Daniel Jones picked a perfect time because, because again, we've never seen Daniel Jones in a playoff game before, and we all know that once the playoffs start, like it's a completely different animal. We don't know what it's going to be, and we've seen even better quarterbacks kind of fold under Dude, the pressure of it all. You know, fuck the name Danny Dimes, like Danny Houdini. All yeah. right, he's like performing magic on that field. Literally, he, he did that. <laughs> That handoff, fake handoff, trickery, yeah. oh, that was smooth. I wish it actually had and ended up being a, a good play for them because that that deserved to be a good play. That, it would have been all it would have been all over Sports Center forever. What yeah. a fake! Oh, so good. So first quarterback in NFL history with three hundred plus passing yards, two plus passing touchdowns, and seventy plus rushing yards in a playoff game. Twenty four of thirty five, three hundred one, two passing touchdowns, and seventy eight rushing yards. I mean, you you can't ask for anything. No turnovers um, on his part. I, I, there's really nothing else to say uh, regarding his performance. He 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 is just stepping up when you need to step up. Um, he's doing it with poise. Like I think I think for so long when we used to watch Jones play, there was always that fear of like whenever he took off and ran, I was always worried. I'm like, he's gonna fumble it. He's gonna fumble it. Slightest little hit will jar the ball loose. I don't even think about that anymore when he goes for a run. Like it, he's, it's conditioned out and good for him. I'm happy for him because he's making himself a lot of money. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, I assume the Giants are going to franchise him at this point uh, because you know just in, just in case not to 
let him hit free agency because I'm pretty sure at this point the Colts, one of those teams, will probably offer him a lot of money if he becomes available. So um, I'm happy for him. And Saquon, you know, didn't rush a lot, but he 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 had a couple really nice runs, a couple good catches. Overall, the entire team stepped up and played a clean game, and that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, I was yeah. I was really impressed with them, and I was I was coming in and out of that game because we were in the middle of that bathroom renovation. So I would I had it turned on, and whenever I needed to go do something or like de stress, I would go and watch them. And I think I didn't see the Vikings' first touchdown, but I did see um, the Giants' first opening drive where they scored. And honestly. I have not watched as many Giants games as you guys have this year, but the ones that I have, I mean, I watched it too against Washington, but they they seemed like they were trying to just play within themselves, and it was very, very conservative, and it was very, like, they kept everything real close. This was just like, screw it. Like, we're in the playoffs. No one thought we were going to be here. Like, if we're going to lose, we're going to play, like, an exciting game. And Daniel Jones – where did that confidence come from and where the fuck has it I, been all year? I think I it, it, it just showed up um, the two weeks ago when they clinched that playoff position. I mean, he came into that game and he was just on fire. And I think once he realized he could actually do that himself, like it, it changed the whole demeanor. The throws and were great. I, yeah. you, like, and Q said, like, he's, he's, he's polished now. He's, he's been well coached, I think. Um, in ways, and and that doesn't mean he's not due for um, a potential like relapse or or some struggle down the road. I mean, especially with this with the playoffs uh, going into next week, you know, the Eagles are going to be there to make him miss. Um, but like I just seeing what he was doing was just outstanding on that field. And I also want to say that you know there there was a lot of there's a lot of other things that started happening, right? Isaiah Hodgins. He's a monster. What an absolute beast. Coming out of the out of the blue, getting cut from the Bills, joining the squad, and instantly becoming um a saving grace for this team, right? Um Saquon having having a game, man. Those runs that he was breaking. I mean, the first two his first two runs, he was averaging what? 20 yards a run or something like that? 40 yards a run? Yeah. It was insane. He, I think he had like five rushes for like 60 yards something it was it was something crazy like that um Gary Slayton had a nice game too he did but unfortunately his his <laughs> calling card remember. has been drops yeah no I know it's the only thing because... we end up re- remembering about his play was that he missed that critical wide open pass you know I'll tell you what though that um what was that Jordan Love that pick that was called back uh Julian Love yeah he, Julian Love yeah, yeah. that was yeah, that I was, was rooting one. for that one because I felt like at that time, like they had cousins kind of on the ropes. And if they were able to get that pick and do something with it, like it would have been a backbreaker for, for yeah, that, Minnesota. It would have been a sledgehammer to all their momentum at that point. I, I do, you know, Mario brings up, you know, that that roughing the passer call. Um, that was absolutely terrible call. Um I, I actually kind of wish the NFL would uh, send out like a formal apology for such a bad call. I mean, it was god awful, uh, and it's a it's a shame because I I I don't think enough holding was called in that game on the Vikings. 
There, there was uh, a play that that the touchdown play that they threw to Osborne. Yeah, you literally see the offensive tackle bear hug Thibodeau to the ground. Mm-hmm. Also on the same play, McKinney gets like a, a natural pick, which is just offensive pass interference, pretty much. Um, and like that, there was a reason why he was sitting wide open, but like Thibodeau got bear hugged to the ground. It was it was insane. Yeah, it regarding, was I, I still don't know. By the way. Regarding the the roughing the passer, did they call it on him because of the blow to the head, or was it because they he spun him but to the ground? There was no helmet to head con like there was no helmet to helmet contact. He there he was kind of forearms him to the head, but it's not that bad. And when he spins him to the ground, he didn't throw him to the ground. He still Cousins ended up on top of Lawrence at the end, so I it's I not like he landed weight on him, you know. Remember, this is this is unnecessary roughness call, right? It it's is, also the NFL too. So, it, well, yes, but like it's like the the category of penalty here is unnecessary, unsportsmanlike conduct, right? I don't think there is anything unsportsmanlike that he was making a play, the ball was in his hand, and I, I, you know, he didn't grab into like typically. They don't call anything unless you grab into the helmet or you jar the the neck downward. So I didn't see anything there that that granted the the call to be made there. And and frankly, I, we saw it the last time the Giants played the Vikings. It seemed like when momentum was slipping in one way or one way or the other, especially in one way, it just seemed like calls were coming faster than you know one would expect. And yeah, and and that's exactly uh, that was my take too. Was that he he treated cousins with care and respect taking him to the ground i also think like we just need to have an idea of like what is roughing the passer at this point because at the end of the day if he still has the fucking ball in his hand and he just throws it out while he's getting tackled number one i i I haven't watched that play back i wanted to see if it was like an intentional grounding because i don't know if there was anybody in the area so if he's completing a forward pass and if, we're, if that's what we're calling it, right, then I want to see if there was somebody in the area because you could have called intentional grounding on that play. But secondly, if you're tackling – the whole definition of roughing the passer is you're, ta- you're tackling the quarterback way after the play has been completed. So he's thrown the ball, one, two, three, you sack him, right? So you're basically just trying to hurt him at this point. When you're tackling, when you're sacking a quarterback with the fucking ball in his hand and he just throws it away last second before he hits the ground, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what the definition, they, the NFL has to fucking figure this out because it's, especially, listen, if you did it in a regular season game in the first quarter, okay, whatever, who gives a shit, right? This is the fucking fourth quarter on a potential game winning drive that everyone's yeah, watching, yes. by the way. Yeah, you're doing it on national. I mean, like sometimes I feel like, man, they really like Vegas must be in fucking like I, I like sometimes it feels like these games are fixed, man. Uh, you know, and and here's the funny thing is, Q, when we saw that happen, right? We're in the bar, we're watching that happen. Um, like we both thought it was a grounding uh, call, yeah. right? That it was yep. intentional grounding because. He threw it like right at the feet at where the the line was. He wasn't outside of the tackles. It seemed like it should have been. And the funny thing is, we're all arguing about like, oh, is it like did he touch the mask or anything? But the the referee that threw that flag is behind him, and he wouldn't mm-hmm. have been able to see that to begin with. Yep. So 
that becomes like, you know, were you just ready to throw that flag because, you know, you knew that if this didn't go a certain way, we needed a penalty? You know, like, <laughs> what's going on here? I don't want to be that conspiracy theorist. No, I don't I believe but you're gonna that the be. NFL is nefarious. But, like, you know, when, when we watched just the last game, too, I was like, I was like, man, like, these – these refs really do seem like they have like their own agenda for the way this game goes, you know, and it turned out it did not go that direction. Um, but so two, two things I want to point out regarding Daniel Jones and the offensive play calling. You are right, Tom. There Good has point, been, Mario. there has been a change. It seems like Dable kind of like goes a little extra hard uh, during the, uh, during the playoffs because you saw it last year with that Kansas city game, which was a fucking barn burner. As far as I was concerned, that was the fucking super bowl mm-hmm. like that, that game. Um, so I want to point something out. So big blue Panther podcast, which I, I love for giants games, they break down, they do offensive and defensive breakdowns with all 22 film uh, Dan Schneier. Who's the, one of the hosts um, he pointed out last night per uh, Doug underscore analytics, all 17 of the giants first down pass calls resulted in a new set of downs. So the 17 fucking times that they threw the ball on first down, those plays went 10 yards plus. And they it were great calls too. Fucking like, insane. They were yeah. good routes like and the guys that the the thing that blew me away was how open a lot of the receivers were yes. that Daniel Jones was throwing to. Like it was shocking in the sense of like there's there's nobody around Hodgins. There's nobody yeah. around Slayton like and it was it was really impressive to see, like the separation those guys were going to get. And and we've talked about this all year, right? Like these are not like premier receivers. Hodgins was cut, or they traded for him. He was he, a waiver guy. He was a sixth round pick for the Bills two years ago at Oregon State. Um, I liked him a lot coming out. I thought he was a day two pick. He went in the sixth round. Uh, the Bills just had too many receivers, and they had to make a move. So he ended up was a, he was a casualty. He was released, and obviously Joe Shane and Brian Dable both came from Buffalo, so they obviously yeah. knew the kid, and they signed him. And again, when you, whenever you, like uh, that happens, you, your expectations are so low, and you're like, yeah, let's see what happens. Let's hope he can just even make the team after a couple weeks. Um, I want to point out because I'm going to talk about Hodgins a little bit later uh, regarding asshole of the week. Uh, not him, not him. Um, it will be somebody else. Fifth, fifth touchdown in six games for Hodgins. Yeah, he has become the number one receiver Dude, on this team. The guy is pure hustle, man. Absolutely, he catches no zero drops on the year. Zero drops on the season. Last night he played on a bum ankle. That's and bad. It looks that, bad. That picture was awful. He posted it to Instagram. It was black and blue. Eight of nine, and it, by the way, his first fucking hundred yard game. Eight of nine catches, pretty much everything. Um, also, want to point out. Another stat from the Big Blue Banter podcast was Nick Filato, uh, the other host, Daniel Jones on second and long, so second and 10. For fucking years, I watched Pat Shermer and Joe Judge and all these guys on second and long run the ball every single time. And if you look at the analytic Clockwork, numbers, man. if you look at the analytic numbers, it's the worst thing you can do because everyone is expecting a run on second down. Now, you don't want to put yourself in third and long, right? But at the end of the day, if everyone knows you're running the ball, they're going to load up the box and they're going to stop you. So on second and 10, when or second and 10 plus, when the Giants have passed yesterday, Jones was seven of seven for 76 yards, 
and also had a 10-yard rush. The only negative play of that game on second and long situations with passing was the deliberate sack that he took at the end of the game when he was, ultimately was trying to trying to stew the clock. Brilliant, because he had the ability to throw downfield, and he was present. He had the presence of mind. He plays. That's that's the thing I think we're seeing about Daniel Jones is he plays smart football, especially now. He's yeah, like he really. I mean, his blockchain is just out of control. <laughs> um, I, credit to the offensive line though. Andrew Thomas zero pressures allowed on forty four passing snaps. Re- really terrific all across He's, the board. I mean, Kafka, you need credit too. You deserve that credit, man. Thank no, you for taking stop. this away. <laughs> stop, stop. We we no. Mike Kafka is a bad man. You don't want to hire him. He's terrible. You know what? As punishment. Like, I think he should sign like a 20 year extension with the Giants just as punishment. Are, are you trying to neg him right now? No, like, no. Is, this, is that what you're trying to do right now? No, like... he's a very bad person. I don't think anyone should hire him as a head coach. It's just a bad idea. It's just terrible. terrible he loves terrible. tail. So, well, while Q uses the art of the pickup to neg Kafka into staying, um, I don't think he's going nowhere, man. I'm uh, going to give him that money. People want him. Don't get me wrong. People want him, but I fucking hope not. I I, I think he wants to be around to see this team. Do well, what they Dable, they're going to do, man. There's a destiny here. Dable said today. Uh, Dable said today because they're playing Saturday. It's a short week. Uh, Kafka's not going to interview with anybody this week. Um, but the Colts, I think the Panthers, the Colts, and the Texans, I think have all requested interviews with Kafka. Uh, the Colts also inter- are going to interview uh, Wink as well, which is like is, this is just a disaster for. <laughs> listen, I, I listen. I, all, all seriousness, I hope Kafka gets a job eventually, but it just was like, man, not after one fucking season. Like, I think he'll. I think people will sniff around on him, but they'll want to see it again after another year. Like he's still really, really young, and if you know, they're 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 trying to get a feel for it right now. Like, how does he interview? Because I'd imagine that, you know, he'll stay in New York for another. I, I think he'll stay in New York for another year I hope next so. year. Because if he's able to make a jump with Daniel Jones, like he goes from like the 17 touchdown guy to the 30 touchdown guy with 4,000 yards or something yeah. close to that. And, you know, they're a better team overall, I think then he gets the interviews. And and frankly, I'm not interviewing for, I'm not interviewing seriously for any of those jobs. The only one that I probably would is if LA chargers opens or if like Denver promises me, like Russell will be, more Mr. Unlimited rather than Broncos Country. Let's ride. He'll be he'll be handing out sandwiches during the games instead. Yeah, as long as I don't wake up in Russell Russell Wilson's basement, like tied to in a his, chair, and he's eating the Danger Witch, where in he front cures of his meats. It's, it's, it's spicy. Where he cures his meats. Be careful though about being the coach here. It's dangerous. He's just you're just strapped to a chair, and he's just there with like pepper jack, just slicing it slowly in front of you. Oh yeah. hey, you woke up. <laughs> I Mario Mario makes a good point. Yeah, Jones Jones show you how bad coaching can stun a player because like yeah. Pat Shermer for all the shit he gets is just being kind of a fuddy duddy, you know, boring guy. Twenty four touchdowns, twelve picks, and in, in I think it was twelve games for Jones in his rookie season. Under Garrett, he had twenty two passing touchdowns in two years. 
Well, Jason yeah. Garrett sucks. So. I mean, so what? This is this is year uh, year four, four for him, right? Yeah, and he's this year alone um, twenty five accounts for over twenty five percent of his thrown touchdowns in the league, right? So fifteen passing touchdowns, um, seven rushing, so twenty two total. Two, if you account the interceptions, which was five, three fumbles, so it's twenty two eight. Uh, as far as there. so, it was a two to one touchdown to interception re- or, or turnover ratio. So I mean, there's a, a lot of quarterbacks out there that people think are a lot better with way more turnovers this year. Let's put it that way. Well, that's I think true, you know that's a good point. Yeah, I agree. Dak Dak had 14 since he came back from the fucking from his injury. Literally since like what week six or seven, he had 14 interceptions. So, um. Saying Jones is your guy, you running on second long all the time. You're saying Jones, yeah, you no, know, I agree, I agree with Mario here because yeah, basically, um, I think I think there was a trust in the last few weeks, definitely in the Colts game and definitely in this game, to where they're letting him kind of rip it, and like they're they were very conservative throughout the rest of the, the beginning of the year. I think a lot of times, especially in the red zone, they were just running the ball a lot, and it was with efficiency. They were a top 10 red zone offense this year. So like I wasn't really complaining about him not having a ton of touchdowns because like they were just running the ball a lot. Um, so at the end of the day, like who gives a shit, right? It's a touchdown to touchdown as far as I'm concerned. But it seems like the last, especially with the Colts game uh, and especially this week, they're just basically letting him kind of fucking throw the ball. Like, you know what? Go out there and show us what you can do. And for him to respond, because like, again, like you didn't see a lot of 300 yard passing games from him. And to him, for him on twenty four passes to have three hundred yards is is pretty damn good. So, um, I'm ho- I'm hoping I'm 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 happy for him. I, I at, the, at the end of the day, I think with Philadelphia, you run that same kind of plan, let him fucking rip it. The Eagles have not been very good at stopping rushing, so I think they're going to try and do more of a ground attack again. Um, they do have two very good corners, former Giant James Bradbury, who made the All Pro team this year, and then of course Darius Slay. Did. Did he not get injured at the very end of uh, week week seventeen? I don't think it's very. Oh, it wasn't serious. I don't. I don't think it's anything serious. He walked out. Did he walk off on his own volition? I think I'm remembering that now. Um, I I didn't. I I don't. I don't even remember that. But as far as I, I've been kind of keeping track. I don't think he's expected to miss any games or anything. So. Cool. Um, yeah, it's it. Look, I mean, Mario pointed out earlier. He thinks that uh, the Eagles are going to choke. I fucking hope. Um, they looked bad in that week 17 game. And that was against literally people like that are just vying for a slot on the team next year. Their, their number one quarterback also wasn't playing either. I think that's a, just an overall different team with Jalen hurts playing comparative. No, hurts did play against the Giants. Oh, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he just, they, but you could tell they were not like really going all out on like they weren't really running hurts a lot or anything like that he would throw the ball a lot they, they had a conservative ball. game plan sure it was and extremely conservative yeah but because they knew they didn't have to they weren't facing the frontier guys so they didn't really have they didn't have dexter lawrence they didn't have leonard williams on the on the field so um look i mean i i, I will say this i think it's extremely difficult to beat a team three times in a row in a year so, like, the odds of that happening are very low. Giants are a very good road team. They've proven that over and over again. So, I feel pretty good about this game going into it. 
And, but, and we've already seen one team do that this year. So statistically, yeah. it doesn't happen. And I agree with Mario that I think I think the road for the Giants ends in the NFC Championship game because uh, the 49ers are just a different animal this year. I did want to ask, though, before I wanted to to ask you guys, I know we're talking about the Giants. Yeah, that's but a I hell of to, a take, Mario. <laughs> I wanted to pivot a little bit um, to the AFC. Is it big deal, little deal, or no deal that the Bills almost lost to no, no big the deal. Dolphins? No big deal. <sighs> no. The Miami, def- Miami Dolphins have an underrated defense. They played really hard. And I think there's been a wave of emotions ever since the Mar Hamlin thing. So I think Buffalo came out a little flat. Um, I don't expect that to happen again. It was, yeah, they were, it, it, it felt like the, for a typical Bills home game, there was like no energy in that stadium. Yeah, I was a little nervous about it because I was watching it. And I mean, Mario's right. It's a third string quarterback and they were scoring points on them. And yeah. You know, I, I know that DeMar Hamlin's injury and what happened on the field still lingers in that with that team. But I, I, the thing that bothers me the most is the Josh Allen picks. Like, yes, the he, played, he was playing reckless. And I think he'll clean that up next week because, yeah, again, without those without the like the fumble, I think they return a fumble for a touchdown. Yes. Um, yeah. I think yes. if you minus out those really bad decisions by Allen, I think I don't think it's that close, honestly. Okay, but they're going to play somebody with a first-string quarterback next week. That's fine. I, again, they're going against they're- the Bengals. I, I think the, the Bengals obviously stand a good chance to win that game, but also the Bengals came out fucking flat last night against Baltimore, and they had a backup quarterback, so – I don't, and by the way, Jonah Williams, uh, their, their left tackle, their stud left tackle, out. Uh, yeah, kneecap, uh, dislocated kneecap. Uh, yeah. Also, Alex Kappa, another one of their guards, probably going to miss the game too. So I I think Buffalo's front front defensive line is going to eat them up, and I don't think it's going to be close. I, I was actually kind of shocked by the performance of Burrow. Um, he he now holds the record of like the most knockdowns um, – for a quarterback in the playoffs, I think it they're going to kill him there. And and it's yeah, like, but he's at the point now where there was a play. Um, I believe this was in the second half where he felt an arm on him and he just fell to the ground. And Good. and I, I was looking at it. I was like, did he trip over some feet? There were feet there, but I don't think he actually felt. I think he just was like, nope, it's I'm just taking this. I'm taking this L and. That's a very different perspective from a year ago this time when Joe Burrow was scrapping and fighting every second to make a play happen. And to have that change in mindset, um, I don't know if it, it bodes well for the Bengals. And I'm I'm in for the Bengals. I, I'd love to see them make a run uh, after last year. It would be kind of cool. However, uh, what's his name? Uh, Taylor there. <laughs> Zach Taylor, yeah. Zach Taylor um, is probably his own biggest enemy and holding that team pack. Um, I think the two games, that the two AFC games, the, the, the Bills games and the Bengals game, I think they're really good comparisons because both teams played teams that were running backups. Both of them played close. They were both divisional games that ended up being playoff games. So... I think there is really some some good insight that we can take from both of those to see like 
how are both of these teams going to play each other? We never really got a shot to see it just be given what happened with DeMar Hamlin on the field. And again, that game should not have been played. So I'm not upset at that, but I'll be really curious to see how this goes because both of these teams struggled in their first game. Both of these teams played backup quarterbacks. Both of these teams came out flat and I, I really think Buffalo misses having, um, oh God, what's his name? Former former Denver Bronco, L.A. Ram defensive end. Oh, um, <laughs> it's bothering me too. Um, this is great. Ra- this is great radio right now. Either when we yeah, don't- really good. Um, oh crap, it's. I want to say peppers. It's not peppers. No. <laughs> It's a little old there. Um, um, oh, it's bothering me. But yeah, I. It... <sighs> yeah, Von Miller. Von, Von Miller. Miller. I, Von I, I think Buffalo is is in a bit of a tricky situation because Von Miller is not there anymore, and they need to have like a veteran presence on that front line. And he don't. They don't have him there anymore because he's hurt. So Gregory Rousseau has been really good this year, though, the former first round pick out of Miami Um, and Oliver, another former first round pick. Uh, Smaller guy, though. Yeah, but I mean, so is Aaron. Aaron Donald's a smaller defensive tackle, too. So no one's ever said that about him. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, honestly, he is undersized. He's only like six one, you know, 300 pounds uh, comparatively. So he's he's no Dexter Lawrence. Um, But uh no, I mean, listen, I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about Buffalo. I just think that they just had, I think they may have maybe like kind of slept on Miami because of Skylar Thompson. I think they just came out flat. Um, it's Josh Lar Allen Thompson, by the way, it's Lar Thompson, right? <laughs> Lar, yeah, no, no ska. Um, I'm he not really not, he does not wear a fedora. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I'm not worried about Buffalo at all. I, I think that they're going fi- to, I think they're going to figure it out this week. Um, it's a tough, it's a tough match. I mean, against Cincinnati, but I, I think they're going to win this game. Um, I just don't, I just don't see what Cincinnati this year, as much as like I wanted to. Um, it just seems like they're again, kind of falling flat. So, uh, I'm, I'm more concerned. I'm, I, 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 that's why like, I don't see like how anybody can pick against chiefs at this point. Because like they've they they're getting healthy now they're they're resting their guys like um, I just I just don't see I just don't it's, see it happening. It's, it's in Buffalo. Yeah. Is the game is the game going to be? I thought they were doing a neutral site. Oh oh yeah, it is in oh, okay. It's in Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's in Atlanta. Ew. I thought, but I thought because of the rep. Oh yeah, because both of these teams squared off. I forgot that they were both involved in that game. <laughs> Yeah. What a crazy. Yep. We'll see. There's I definitely mean... going to be scoring in that game. Like if it was either in Cincinnati or in Buffalo, like winter effects would have like as it would have an impact on that game, but they're going to play it in a stadium that looks like a giant sphincter. So <laughs> don't worry, folks. We're all safe. The butthole dome. I mean, I, 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 I the whole dome. The whole dome. Who, whoever loses that game is going to be bitch. I can guarantee he's going to bitch about it. Oh, for be, sure, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, but uh, I don't know. I, I again, like going back to the Chiefs. I just don't see how anybody's picking against the Chiefs at this point. They're the only team that has not really. They had a really tough schedule and just kind of blew through it. I think they walk into the into the 
Super Bowl. So, so, so we we're just looking at right now, like Niners, Niners Chiefs. Is that where we're going here? It's gonna be a West Coast. Uh, I have the Eagles in the Super Bowl still, but still have the Eagles. I I have some reservations about Brock Purdy. I think when you have that type of Pro Bowl performance from your offensive line that he's been getting. It makes someone look a lot better than they are, and the guys only had five games, or before you know, going into this, uh, into this week. I think he's good, but he like oh, people are starting to go a little too crazy here. There, I there were a so, couple man. of throws where he had to put everything into it. He had yeah. a ho- he had a hospital throw on one play, and I was like, he almost just sent that receiver to the ER. Yes, um, I, I think there's a bit of smoke and mirrors with him. And the funny thing is, it's going to be that same story with the Niners that we've heard all year this year. And it's like, who's our guy? Who's who do we put as our guy here? And they're the person they're going to get behind is not going to be that guy. It's not him. I'm going to make a bold call here. I made a bold call last week with uh, Duval with Jacksonville. I'm going to do it again here. Tom Brady's winning tonight. Tom Tom Brady's winning tonight. I know it's like, oh yeah, the greatest quarterback they ever lived. They're not fucking favorites. Um, I, I think I Tom Brady undefeated against the Cowboys, like I mentioned before. Also mentioned he is he has the most wins of any underdog quarterback um ever. Like when he's an underdog coming into the game. I just I think that Dallas is gonna choke. And I'm hoping this is maybe more hopium than anything else, but uh I, I I have Tom Brady winning this tonight. I I can see that, and and I think that right now the media is already kind of trying to create the narratives for this for tonight's game. And you know they have the data; they have more data than they're giving us. Um, and and they have the inside scoop on certain things. And it's it seems like they've been making a lot of they've been making a lot out of what I would say is relatively like I I feel like it's not there's not that much for them to go off of for these hunches but they're saying that Dak Prescott is really going to have a terrible game and it's like is this is this the silent nod that they're trying to create the 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 talking points for next year like hey like does does Dak stay do they look to you know move I don't, away from him I I, I don't see that happening and I think I honestly don't think they're going to move away from him. Uh, to answer your question, though, Mario, I think uh, for for next year, I think Trey Lance walks in. Unless Pur- Purdy wins the Super Bowl, I think Trey Lance is still probably going to be viewed as the favorite to win the job next then, year. Then Brock Purdy becomes the new Nick Foles. I mean, it's not <laughs> the worst thing in the world being able to have a guy who's a really high end backup. And then maybe in a, a year or two, you could probably trade maybe for a second round picks to someone. Again, got him with the last pick in the draft. So um, this happens. Yeah, and Jimmy, Jimmy, G's, I, Jimmy I, G's I think they'll, I think they'll probably let him walk and go wherever he wants at this point. But uh, Tom, you you stepped away for a second. My bold prediction: I I picked the Jags last week to make to make it through. I'm picking I'm picking the Bucks tonight. I think I think Brady. Uh, I think I think this is going to be a game in which McCarthy gets fired. My, my problem with that prediction is just that I'm not mad at that. By the way, I wouldn't I, be mad at it either. My 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 problem with that prediction, though, just is the Bucks are like the retirement league of the NFL. I mean, it's it's just all old people. I mean, 
Uh, Listen, I've I've bet against Tom Brady too many times in my life. And I feel like this is going to be... As a Giants fan, we've bet against Tom Brady quite enough to... No, I have no problem with Tom Brady. We the Giants have beat him no. twice in the Super Bowl, no, so no, no. I have no issue with him. That's not no, but I'm just saying we've we've also been on the other side of making that bet or edging that bet. Yeah, you know all about edging, don't you? Oh, big uh, time. <laughs> um, no, but listen, I I think this is going to be a game where he's been eating a lot of shit this year. You know, obviously the divorce, the FTX thing, and like everyone's just pretty much been pretty much. Um, Mario, who is a Tom Brady loyalist, does not see the Bucks winning tonight. I All think right, it's a hard road, man. Uh, it is. And, it and is. Cowboys defense is good, you know, and and it wasn't good it's the last good, week. Look, it's, the good Bucks, when it, it's good when it wants to be. But like, let's, yep. let's clarify that the yep. Bucks, the Bucks typically have had low scoring games. I, you know, most games for them ends up the Bucks like defense isn't bad either. By the points, way. and they have a decent defense, but it's again another old defense. Tom Brady undefeated against the Cowboys. Undefeated. Lifetime. And what have I been saying all since the beginning of this playoffs is that statistics like that are meant to be broken, right? Like That's true, but I didn't they, did they not play earlier this didn't they play week 1? Am I wrong? They did play earlier in the season. Did they and, not? And Dak got hurt in that game, didn't he? I think it was week 1 if I remember correctly. Yes, it was 19 to 3. Mhm. So it was a very low-scoring game, and the Cowboys scored three points. So that Buccaneers defense is very underrated. Um, I I don't know. I <laughs> Mario is shitting all over his favorite quarterback of all time. Man, wow. I, I, you Not gotta ideal. you gotta wonder. I mean, that lends some credibility, right? No, he no, he's just he's salty. He's a he's a Pats fan. He's salty. But can we just go back to like the Cowboys losing and Mike McCarthy losing his job tonight? I I just can't. The the 49ers coaching the game. I could see that being the the 49ers game almost cost him his job. And it took a couple days for Jerry Jones to be like, no, we're staying behind him. If if after the games that they've had this year, and the additions they've they've made. If he comes out there and he they lose in the fucking wild card round, <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> like, I mean, again, I want Mike McCarthy to be coach for life for the Cowboys because like he's terrible. But like, and I don't want Sean Payton going there because that would be a fucking disaster. But at the same time, like, I just I think that McCarthy's time is running out. I would agree, and you know, I hope. I hope very much the same. Like, you know, he essentially turns into somebody Alabama plays every year and every other year they Alabama loses to them just mm-hmm. to keep that person in that position to lose again. Like right. the Gus Malzahn of <laughs> the, the NFL Mal- where it's a good reference. Terrible all the time, but randomly would beat Alabama and be like, fuck. We have to hang out with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next year will be different, and then it's never different. I, you this know, is the year. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think there's a chance you could you could have your cake and eat it too here, Q. Good. Um, love cake on the show. Just, just because, like the the thing is, he still got them. Um, you know, twelve wins this season. So, I I 
I think he could easily say, look, this is what the Cowboys do in the postseason, and we're working on fixing that. Like, you're going to get rid of the guy who just got you a 12 and five season. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't see them doing that right away. So let me paint a scenario for you then, Gatto, because you've been, they've been a good team these last okay. two years. I know, I know what you're saying. Cause, cause if they don't bite now on trying to bring Sean Payton in, yeah, like, you know, he's going somewhere else. Unless he really wants to play, you know, unless he really wants to hold out and coach for the Cowboys, which. I think they're also concerned know. about losing Kellen Moore because Kellen Moore is going to end up getting a job soon. I, I mean, and and let's be real, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator who like should not be a defensive coordinator. He's good enough. I think he was good enough to be a head coach somewhere. He's going to get interest, too. That's that that staff's going to start falling apart. And they're going to have to start replacing people. And you're ultimately looking, being stuck with Mike McCarthy, who has made some really fucking number one. Does everybody remember what happened last year with the 49ers? Does everybody remember that game? I have a terrible memory. We know. All right. So I'll I'll paint a picture for you. Uh, For anybody who doesn't remember this game, it was horribly called by Mike McCarthy. They need to score a touchdown to win the game. Right. So they're going down the field and they're moving the ball really, really well. And then all of a sudden, With 14 seconds left and no timeouts, they call a fucking QB sneak. (laughs) And it works. Like, Dak gets, like, 10 yards, gets the first down. They get closer. But they're in, like, Hail Mary range at this point. They should have just did that. He runs a little too long, takes too much time. They get up. Dak hands the ball to the center instead of handing it to the ref. And then the center tries to spot it himself, which you're not allowed to do. Like the ref has to spot the ball. The ref comes crashing in and picks up the ball and moves it back. And they run out of time. They didn't get to hype the ball off. And it was like Cowboys fans were like, the fucking ref crashed into the fuck. What is he doing? And it was like, well, asshole, you know, you're not allowed to just set the ball yourself. Like, because then I would go, yeah, you know, I'm going to go set the ball at the one yard line. That's where we had it. Right, guys? Like, that's not how it works. But McCarthy calls a fucking QB fucking sneak. Like at that point, you need to be hitting the end zone. And like, if you have like a quarterback that can't throw the ball deep, okay, maybe you make a play like that. But like Dak's got a great arm. Why wouldn't you just attack the, or at least keep attacking the sidelines like they had been doing? Made no sense. Dak made a mental error by not going down fast enough. It would have, it would have probably been better and handing the ball to the center instead of finding the ref and handing it to him. But just really bad clock management, really bad decision making which, by Mike. Which McCarthy. is one thing you kind of always expect out of him. He's always. Been but I, my overall bad. point of this is that I think Jerry's going to look at him, especially if he loses in the first round to the geriatric Bucks, and if he if he sees them lose this game against the Bucks, I think he's going to say he can't get us where we need to go. Like, yeah, it sounds crazy firing a coach after a 12 win season, but like people have done it before Mm -hmm. and Jerry Jones, not a patient man at all. So I could see him going like if Sean Payton's available, like that's going to be the move he's going to try and make now, whether or not they're successful or not, I have no clue, but like that's going to be the guy they go after. Yes. You're you're kind of cutting out. Um, yeah, I think I lost connectivity here. So, but I, I honestly like, I honestly don't think that like it's going to be that bad. 
Like, I think it's going to be a close game. <laughs> like Mac Jones, weak arm quarterback. Mario, like, you're not happy with that. I think, I think Tom Brady needs to go back to New England. I think, uh, I think that would be a good fitting end for him. Can um, we at least try a New England team where Matt Patricia is not the one calling plays? I think that would be ideal. I, 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 I've already said this. Bill O'Brien will be the Patriots offensive coordinator next year. Don't you yeah. worry, guys. I, I, I just think we need to get um, a helmet on Steve Belichick and he'll just give dirty looks and make weird faces at the other team and that should be good enough. <laughs> just that. <laughs> you can see that? Please tell me you saw that. Nope. You don't know anything about that? No, you run on a 56K modem, so. <laughs> oh, thanks. Great. Yeah, I, I mean, listen. I if, if I'll, 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 we'll do this for for Mario. Um, yeah, I think I think they have to stick with Mac Jones. He was like he was pretty much on the precipice of like a really like a pro. Didn't he make the Pro Bowl year year one? Am he I, did. Am I crazy? Mm-hmm. Like you can't just walk away from him. I think you need to get him a better play caller. And uh, I think I think when you look at Bill O'Brien, uh, he's gonna probably want to back in the NFL anyway. So a good way to go in is to get back into New England. Fix He's familiar Mac with Jones. the team too. Wasn't yeah. there a um? Wasn't there a report about Mac Jones like reaching out to somebody not affiliated with the Patriots? That was yes. There was there was two things. There was that, and then there was the the they wanted to have surgery, and he didn't want to have surgery. So there was some friction, kind of throughout the entire year with them. And then Billy Zappi coming in and then pretty much like having success right away when Mac has been struggling that, of course, Mario always described it to me that like New England sports radio is always looking to replace the quarterback. Always like pretty much like Tom Brady has a bad game. Get him out of here. You know, let's go. Let's go to the backup. And it's it's pretty funny to see that like they're almost worse than Giants fans with that because uh, like the minute Jones had one fumble, everybody was calling for him to be cut. Um, I may have been one of those people once, um, but uh, but now like you're seeing it here that like Mac Jones, I think, was much better than everyone anticipated him to be um, coming out. So, I mean, I think he's a, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a quality player. I just think that the Patriots have been fully pilled on the Bill Belichick approach to football, which is mm-hmm. like all of our like one through third round picks are going to be cut and we're going to focus solely on guys who we got in the sixth round or mm. played lacrosse at like some small private school in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mario pointed out that bleach report says that the Patriots are focusing on Bill O'Brien. Yeah. They're not going to Bill. Bill's getting old. And I, I think he realizes that like, he doesn't have a ton of time left um, coaching. And if they keep losing like this, I think there's going to even despite him being one of the greatest coaches of all time, they're going to eventually hit a wall where they're going to say we need to move on. Uh, so I think these last few years, he's he's going to have to bring in somebody. And Bill O'Brien just makes the most sense. I mean, that was the most explosive offense they had in a long time. I believe 2011. He was mm-hmm. the uh, that was when they were in the Super Bowl. It just makes perfect sense, and he's been in. I think he's in Alabama now, so uh, you know he's. He not was like he's, his contract's up though. His like. Um... He's definitely his, coming back. <laughs> his um retirement, like yeah, that th- that Nick Saban like diet plan that everyone goes on <laughs> when they get fired. He he was doing that. 
it definitely makes sense. Um, but yeah, like I mean, yeah, they need to get receivers. Like they, I mean, they don't really they they went all in on like Kendrick Bourne and like um who's that fucking old Philly receiver? Um Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar, yeah. So like they need to go out and get themselves. Like that's been the one blind spot for Bill Belichick. Like he cannot draft a receiver to save his fucking life. I remember when they had Chad Jackson and they drafted him out of Florida, and they're like, he's probably one of the fastest receivers in the NFL. He was terrible, and he never played. Yeah, never played. Yeah, he was terrible. And then like, yeah, and then the, the kid at Arizona State they drafted a couple years ago in the first round, and uh, I think they drafted him over DK Metcalf and. You know, a couple other guys. Um, can't remember his name. Yeah, I th- I think he's on his third team. I think he's in Chicago right now. But I I agree with you. Like ever since they got Hernandez and Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski, they have not been able to find quality receivers in any way, shape, or form. Whether it's tight end, wide receiver, what have you, they've yeah. done a good job. Nikeem Harry, that's who it is. Um, Nikhil Harry, yeah, Nikhil Harry, Nikhil yeah. Harry, yeah. yeah. Um, they've been able to find running backs like. They've been able to to find those guys, but the skill positions that they really need, I think they're just again. I think they're looking for like cheap Julian Edelman's that they don't have to pay a lot of money for. You know, they're lacrosse dudes, so Bill Belichick fucking loves them to death, um, or they're former quarterbacks who just so happen to run around. They they just look too hard for like we need really smart guys on this team, like. You also really need talented guys too. Yeah. And instead of choking it out, like forcing everyone to forcing this way of football on people, like y'all were really, really fun to watch when Randy Moss was on the team. You know that, right? Like that was super fucking cool. Yeah. And it's, it's weird because like they spent a lot of money on Aguilar and, and also a lot of money on Kendrick Bourne. And I was like, just didn't seem like guys now i mean like i've been surprised obviously the the jags gave christian kirk a lot of money this year and i was like that didn't seem like a good idea and he ends up having a really really good season no he had over a thousand yards and close to double digit touchdowns so like it worked out and you know the way contracts work in the nfl that like literally that contract will be a bargain in two years so yeah like it's not really like who cares Um, he certainly runs like a number one wide receiver. <laughs> Brady coming back as wide receiver one. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd love for Tom Brady just to be like, I'm going to play fucking wide receiver now. And everyone's like, okay, you're the GOAT. You do whatever you want. Um, no, but but getting back to tonight's game, um, I think Pollard is playing. If Pollard was out, I would definitely be like 100% the Bucks are going to win. But if Pollard is playing, that's going to be tougher. But they're a really good run defense. And like, listen – the interior offensive line for the Cowboys has been a problem. And Vita Vea on Tampa is the one guy who is really fucking good. So I think he's going to cause some problems for them. I, I, I think Dak's going to struggle tonight. I'm just, I, again, maybe this is hopium. Maybe I'm just hoping this happens, but, uh, I, I have a I have a weird kind of like the Jags last week. I had I had a feeling the Jags were going to beat the Chargers. Um, I think the I think the Bucks win tonight. I, despite not wanting it to happen, I think Cowboys are going to win this out. This is not the Tony Romo era team that just was doomed every playoff run, and I I don't really think like that. People might believe it, but I don't think that this team is that same team. I think. They have a different attitude, a different mindset. And sure, McCarthy is 
not the coach I, I think for them, but in inevitably in the end, I think I think they get this done just because I think coaching has been an issue for the Bucks all season long too. And I I just I I see it run, like this this game ends up actually being interesting for three quarters at most. So do you, do you see this being like a blowout game or do you see it being um or do you see it being a close game? I think I think we get into the third I think we get into the third quarter and we're just going to see that the Cowboys are going to run away with it. Literally I think they're going to run away with it. Um I think we're going to see Tony Pollard making making this happening, you know, making this thing on the field, doing his thing on the field. God fucking damn me. I'm still hungover from yesterday. Um, <laughs> I'm like struggling. So, so is everybody else. Out. So is everybody else who was at Arugas yesterday. Yeah. Um, except for me. Um, but I, I want to point out something. I think I, I, I don't remember the official stat, but it was pretty much like if Dak throws the ball more than like 40 times, they lose almost every time. That's so, kind of a common yeah. stat though. It Overall. is, it is, but I want to point out though that like if you start seeing a heavy passing game right away, and if they can't get any, and Tampa again, Tampa does one thing well is they stop the run pretty I, well. I don't like that statistic because that statistic is blind to the way a game is played. You typically are throwing more because you're either behind uh, big, right. or there's something there's something happening that's causing you to have to throw more and and let's be honest a well-balanced game plan is always superior to one that is specifically one-dimensional air or or ground you know? i would agree with you gato but like at the same time like your hopium like, is if, is if it's no but but i'm saying though, right now <laughs> fine that, that's all well and fine but i'm saying though that if it happens like 98 percent of the time when he throws 30 40 plus times whatever it is then at that point, like, yeah, okay, it's blowout games, right? So they're just playing catch up. But like, how many times have the Cowboys been blown out? I, I think the statistical odd we need to look at here is how much does his bad decision making go up based on his throws? Well, anybody, anytime right? anybody loses the turnover battle, they're typically going to lose the game, um, except for the Jaguars, apparently. Because that's but, what everyone's that's everyone's big fear going to like that's the that's the going narrative for this game is like if Dak is constantly throwing you know turning over the ball they're not going to win it's like yeah I mean that's very that's very evident you know what I mean and I think that they do have enough of a ground attack that they won't have to rely so heavily and I think that surprisingly I think they'll do a good job on the ground so Carlton Davis. Mike, uh, Mike uh, Edwards and Vita Vea, who were all questionable this week, they are playing tonight. Mm. So Carlton Davis is going to go on CD Lamb, um, top tier corner. Vita Vea is playing, provides some pressure up the middle. Mike, da- Mike Edwards, a very good safety over the, over the middle of the field. I just think that they're going to be able to slow down CD Lamb a little bit, and that's where like it's going to it's going to have to be a big power game because like I I don't see Elliott really doing much tonight uh if pollard gets going that's when it's going to spell trouble because although they're good at stopping the run they're not very good at stopping uh receiving backs uh coming out of the flat so like that's where it could spell trouble for the, for and, the bucks early and i don't and I, well I, I and again i don't i don't see the statistics for it but i want to say that when i do see tony pollard getting get 
into gear, it's usually in the second half of that game. And that's why they've had a lot of big second halves um, Mm -hmm. this season. And I I also want to point out, I also want to point out Uh the Bucks are getting Ryan Jensen back today for the first Mm -hmm. time. He injured himself in July. He's back tonight. So that, that middle of the field for Brady, which has been that middle of the offensive line, which has been a big, troublesome spot because that Mario actually, Mario is always point changer to be honest Ma- Mario has always pointed out to me that the way you beat Tom Brady is you put him on the ground man attack him no attack him in the middle because oh. he like if you can attack okay. him on the sides if you attack him on the edges it's not that big of a deal like he can kind of maneuver through the pocket but like when the Giants were able to pretty much do that NASCAR package if you remember yeah, where they were like lining up defensive ends in the middle of the, the defensive line, and were just basically forcing him out of the pocket. Um, that's where it's going to cause a problem for him. So having Tristan Wirfs healthy, I, I believe Donovan Smith should be playing tonight, and then getting uh, Ryan Jensen back. I just and look, Mike Evans had three touchdowns against the Panthers, so he's kind of starting to get hot now. Um, yep, pressure in the middle of his face. Yep, absolutely. That's the way to be Brady. And if Ryan Jensen is healthy, which I'm hoping he is, uh, that's going to at least help. Shaq Mason, uh, Jensen, worse, if Donovan Smith is playing, I feel better about their chances um, going against the Cowboys. Tom, what's, what's, your, what's your final say on this game? Um, I don't think this is the Cowboys here. Is is a shitty year Tom Brady has had. I just the the amount of turnovers that um, Dak has had this year just really bother me. It makes me really nervous. Um, and ultimately, like I hear so much hype about the Cowboys, but I know they didn't have anything to play for against Washington. I know that that game was just they were kind of there. But why did you play all your starters? And the play calling in that game was so weird because, you know, we talked about it last week where Kendall Fuller dropped an interception and then the exact same play, they threw the exact same pass. Kendall Fuller picked it off and ran it in for a touchdown. Like everyone says that Kellen Moore is a brain genius, but I don't believe it because we hear that from all of the people who are coordinators with, Dallas and they're always gassed up more than they probably should be. So I think Brady certainly has some tricks left up his sleeve. They've certainly proven that they can throw the ball. And I think that's one thing the Cowboys have been exposed to quite a bit is just people lighting them up offensively. And I don't know. It doesn't seem like a Dallas kind of year. There's not a buzz with this team. Micah Parsons is talking a lot of shit for some reason. He was um, like an odds-on favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year in the beginning of the season, and he just disappeared in the second half of the year. Right. So, so like, yeah. I, don't, I, I, I will say, if Tony – like the, the X factor to me, there's one X factor in this game, and it's Tony Pollard. If Tony Pollard comes out and like just starts getting the ball out in the flat and just ripping yards, like then it's going to be a long night for the Bucs. But otherwise – if Pollard doesn't, if they don't get Pollard involved early and often, I don't think they stand a chance. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the Bucks, just given the amount of kind of like uncertainty that we've seen with the Giants game, with the Jags game. I think there's enough like silly season stuff that's going to happen here because I, I don't think 
the Cowboys are as good as everyone's saying they are. And say what you want about the Bucks, They still have Chris Godwin there. They still have Mike Evans. They still have some good players there. And the yeah. guy that won, the guy that's still the quarterback, though, has proven that he can still throw it all over the field. So give me them. Let's make it weird. <laughs> Let's get fucking weird. <laughs> What do you think, fellas? So, uh, well, let's let's do one real quick thing. Uh, yep. So, we'll use the hypothetical since this week is not over. Um, okay. Use your use your team that you've predicted for tonight's win. Um, what do you see for next week's uh, games predictions? Um, we have uh, we have Jags, KC. I think I we're all. Think- KC, right? I don't think that's going to be particularly that close, honestly. I think I think the I think the Chiefs kind of run up the score there. the uh, The line is eight and a half for the Chiefs. I think they cover that. Um, Mario says Cowboys are going to beat them. All right, so it's two two. We'll see. Um, <laughs> Actually, going to add that one. <laughs> um, Tom, what do you think about that game? Um, I think Kansas City rolls. They're playing it in Kansas City. Like that yeah. shouldn't be a question. It's a Saturday afternoon game. So, Gato, you're going Chiefs or you're going Jags? Uh, I got to go with Chiefs, man. Um, that team is just – if there's a team that's had their shit together throughout the entire year, it's mm-hmm. it's the Chiefs. They're, yeah. they're just doing what the Chiefs do, and uh, you know how good Mahomes is in this of course, time of yeah. year, man. So – all right, so Giants Eagles. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles cover seven and a half. That's the line that opened up. I, I think they're gonna keep. I think the Giants keep this pretty close. But um, I just think the 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 biggest problem for the Giants has been outside zone runs, and like they just get really beat up. That's why they did not match up well against the the Eagles and the Cowboys uh, because that's the kind of like the zone blocking schemes that they run. Those like power um, power runs just kill them every single time. So I think the Eagles will do enough um, to be able to win this game, uh, but I don't think they're going to cover. Tom? 27-17 Philly. What was the score? 27-17 Philly. So you, so you have them covering. Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm, Dude, I'm going with the Giants again. Look, this is what the Giants – To win outright? To win outright. The Giants – this is what the Giants do, right? They they find a way into the playoffs, and then they go on these legendary crazy tears. And I hope you're right. Don't tell Colin Cowherd. Look, I don't even get me started. I mean, it feels like a risk, but this is like there's like certain things like in DNA of teams, and I feel like suspense. Oh, he's gonna hold, he's gonna leave us. Uh, he's Back gonna leave us wanting more. Gato, you left us hanging. You lagged out so hard. Oh my god! I know, god. I know. I was like, "Oh shit!" But you are right. There, I Mario. I hope you're right. The Philly's gonna blow it. Um, listen, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I agree with you, and I hope you're right. But to me, it just Philly matches this, up really well with the Giants. This is the thing. This team, the the Eagles are a good team. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but. They've also had they had the easiest schedule in the NFL. 
Yep. So that kind of inflates their wins. I mean, sure. don't get me wrong. This also means the same for both the Cowboys and the Giants. Giants were so, had the, the Giants second. Twice, though, so. Giants had the second and, easiest schedule, by the way. And, and I would and I would make the argument here that the Giants didn't have their shit together as much as they have right now, right? And the first game actually meant something because the Giants tried there. The Giants did not try in that second game. And I think that this break hurts Philly. They're going to be flat for having a week off. I hope you're right. I I don't know why. It just feels like they're going to overthink it, being that they had two weeks to plan for this, because they probably thought it was going to be Giants the whole time, and that will hurt them in the end. I, I think there was I think Hell there yeah, was Mario, I, fucking I, pretenders, man. I think I think they felt like it was a collision course. Like like I think everyone kind of they were kind of alluding and, to it in the game. They were like, it seems like these teams might be facing each and other. There's again. nothing Please. scarier than having to run into a red hot giants team in the playoffs. There's I, nothing scarier for teams out yeah. there. They all know they it, that's the that is like the DNA. That's the makeup of the Giants, man. Like you do not want to see them on the other side of the postseason, man. It is I I will agree with you one hundred and ten. I will agree with you one hundred and ten percent that I think the pressure is solely on the Eagles here because and, now they have to win this game. They can't lose this game. And and we, you know, it's this is football, man. It's so easy for someone to re-injure themselves, and that's that's the thing. If yeah, yeah. Eighteen Pat Snow, right? Like that's yep, Pat Snow. You could be having a hell of a season, and it's gonna just take that one play that just alters everything. And I think when you're cold like Philly for a week, and you come into this game against a, a team that has some crazy momentum, this is uh, the Giants. This momentum is this is as good as it gets for them, right? This is peak Giants energy right now. I will point out though, Gatto, that if even if you are right, which I think you ha- you do make a good case for, um, I, I think the Giants' season ends in San Francisco the week after. So that's going to be kind of leading into my next prediction, which the 49ers, I don't care if they're facing the Bucks yeah. or the Cowboys, they're going to roll either one of them. Niners, so. Niners are just, I mean, that that team is just going to make you hurt either way. You got Debo, you got Kittle, you got C-Mac. I mean, holy crap. There's just – on. There's depth everywhere you go on that team, man. It just watching watching what they made Geno Smith look like at the end of that game, man. It was sad. Like it was, they brutalized they brutalized the Seahawks. Yeah, I think they roll hard. Yeah, I agree. And and Giants, uh, Giants typically have never done well against the Niners in the playoffs. So, uh, twenty eleven. Yeah, they, but beat, they beat him in the NFC Championship game in 2011. I, I think back to that was also like, Alex Smith, though. So I was gonna say back, back. Um, who was who was on that team? Ocho Cinco. <laughs> 49ers? No, not 49ers. Who? Uh, no, who was that? That was on that team. The Michael wide receiver, Crabtree. Michael Crabtree. Uh, way back, even further back. Jerry Rice. Uh, T.O. T.O., Terrell Owens. I remember those games, man. And it was just like the Giants never, ever came out of those games well. Uh, you know what? They beat they beat them in, they beat them in the, uh, the the NFC Championship game in 2011. Um, so I'm not I'm not like I'm not too worried. That was the game that Eli just got 
brutalized in. Uh, Justin Smith and Alden Smith just coming off the edges and just destroying him. And he just kept getting back up. It was great. Um, that was the game. I can't remember. It was the son of a White Sox exec um, who was a receiver for them. He fumbled the ball like a couple times. Kenny Williams. What was the son's name? Kyle Williams? I, th- I think it was Kyle Williams, yeah. Yeah. He he had like two fumbles on pump returns and uh it was kind of the difference of the game. But like that was a that was that was like a vintage Eli game, just getting absolutely destroyed and just getting back up. And I gotta ask you, Q. Did you did you feel that the Giants like was luck on their side at all during that Vikings game? I would normally say yes, but this is the first time, and I'll be going into detail about this uh, for my asshole of the week. Um, this is the first time I feel like the Giants are actually well coached offensively. Um, it always felt kind of fluky when they would have those type of games. So you're like, yeah, luck just kind of got what went out in the end. Um, I don't think so so much now because I think I think Dable and Kafka are just mixing their influences you know obviously the andy reed influence from kafka and then brian dable with you know the old um you know he he is a you know belichick type guy uh going way back but he's also had multiple different influences so dable just carrying that buffalo influence and then um with kafka i think they just they formulated a good game plan and i think they just kind of stuck with it and it was working and and that's where typically the giants have like also luck like, their way a bit through the playoffs in the past. The Vikings are also one of those where they've actually. Defenses. Yeah. And they had, I felt like they had luck on their side in that game and they still weren't able to pull it off. And the giants have done this with what you said. It wasn't luck. It was actual good coaching, great yeah. playing. And that's why with a little bit of that giants playoff luck with that, I, I, it's I see them going far. And yeah, the, there was there was that moment. I really thought there was a chance that that game, the Giants were going to lose it when when Slayton dropped that ball. I don't see him actually dropping that next ball. But, that, but that's but that, that's kind of the point, though, that I don't think it was luck, honestly, because like we've had lucky games where we've also had those games where they just oh, yeah. disappear. No, I'm saying there was no luck in that game. Yeah, because like was, honestly, it all if, on the skill side of things. If it, it felt like in past years, like when Slayton dropped that ball, I'm like, of course he dropped it because like this is what's going to happen. They're going to get the ball back. They're going to score. They're going to go for two points. They're going to get it, and it's over. We're going to lose yes. tragically. I honestly like with Dable and everything. I think about that less because I'm like they just seem so well coached at this point, and that like, and I you know what, and I also want to point out big credit to Dable. There's a video of him um, after Slayton dropped it. He grabs him and he's like, you can tell him that on he's on the shoulder. And he's just like, Saquon, went, Saquon went over to him too and encouraged him. And it's just like, it seems like and, they just have their shit together. And, and the, like the cameras were really trying to build that story. Like the, yeah. the production team was trying to build that story because yeah. they kept every, between every down, they would go and look at him because he, Slayton had that look on his face. Like oh, I just, deject- I just cost a season. Tom, yeah, yeah. what's up? What's up, bud? We're talking about other fucking games, guys. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't couldn't help it. I just I just needed to go Tom, back. To Tom, that, it's to been that. eleven fucking years since we won a fucking playoff game. Okay, we're allowed. We're allowed to go. You got two championships that. in twenty five years. You're fine. Move on. They were great too. Yeah, but we're greedy. They were, we're great. Greed is good. Yeah. <laughs> greed is. I'm fucking Michael Douglas and fucking <laughs> Wall Street. All right. There we go. 
Um, we had two other games to cover, and somehow we got back. No, we only have one. We only, no, we only have one more game to cover. Bengals, Bills, Bengals, Bills, and oh, Niners, yeah, okay. and whoever okay. wins tonight. Well, we yeah. can't. We can't cover. I, I'm going to say I don't think I don't care who wins tonight. Niners blows past everybody. Yeah, agreed. That team is dirty, dirty. All right, Bengals, Bills. Um, anybody know what the line is? Um, uh, five I think five and a half Buffalo. This is, I think they cover that. This Here's is the thing, this though. Is it's, it's not a neutral site. I thought it was, but it's not. What is it? They're playing it in Orchard Park. It's the AFC Championship game is a neutral oh. site. Oh, Bills by a million. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think, I think they cover the five and a half, and then some. I don't, I'm not worried about it. I I think those injuries that you had mentioned earlier, Q. They, There's no they catch up. This, they, they catch up to Cincinnati. Dislocated kneecap. He's not playing this week. And no. if he is playing, he's not 100. percent And mm-hmm. and J- Jackson Carmen, who came in for him, was god awful, dude. And that and that offensive line already is just it's already crumbling. bad. Yeah. Oh, I feel I feel bad for Burrow, man, because you know that they're just gonna be throwing a blitz at him every down. Yeah. And you have to wonder too: Are they going to be all hissy and pissy? Because had they actually played that game a couple weeks ago and the Bengals had won, this game would have happened in Cincinnati. I don't think it matters. Well, it does to them because they're going to be upset at it and they're going to use that as an excuse, like, "Oh, this could have been a home game." Like, yeah, but why? Why wasn't it a home game? Explain it to us. Because <laughs> somebody almost fucking died on the field. Let's not use that. Yeah. Yeah. And and. I thought, dude, I was so looking forward to that game too. It was, uh, it was a wild game. Like everything was wild that happened, but like the the Bengals, the, the Bengals that, were up uh, early in that game. But again, like with the Bills, like I don't ever, you know, the first quarter, like it, it, it was telling. That it was kind of telling though about how frustrated the Bills felt at the end of that Miami game. I mean, how many scraps did we see? They. Like the refs were pulling them apart every couple of minutes, you know they were they were really getting into it with each other, which I understand because they're you know divisional rivals. But uh, it felt like the the Bills really did have a lot of frustration during that game, and I wonder if a little bit of that does bleed over, and that might be just enough for that for Cincy to capitalize on yeah. if they feel like they're stuck in that same gear as last week. That's my only doubt. I don't. I still think the Bills win in the end, but um, covering five and a half. I don't know about that one. I think it's a field goal. I think here's a crazy prediction: Money Mac misses. I'm I'm taking Bills with the points. I don't I don't I don't care. I think Bills. I think Bills win by a lot. I mean, if they do, you we certainly know why they would. Yeah, I think it's I, an emotional I, game for them. I think we're gonna get a repeat Bills versus Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, and I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, uh, I'm not mad at that combination. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right, guys. What do you want to do now? I guess let's uh, drop it into assholes and picks. All right, I'm gonna start because um, it's related to football. I'm fu- I'm getting sick of Colin Cowherd. I really am. Um, this guy just he just says shit all the time, and like people fact him. By the way, 
the link I sent you guys, there's a uh, great Twitter follow. Um, it's at back after this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was originally uh, a guy who would clip Mike Francesa uh like videos and like the best videos i still go through them sometimes the old the old mike francesa videos they're hilarious um he obviously mike francesa is kind of retired he has a podcast now uh he has shifted to colin cowherd because the shit that he says is just ridiculous sometimes so he was talking about the giants victory yesterday and it's almost like he didn't watch the game because he said the Giants have always been a team that has a great defense and an offense that just kind of makes enough plays. If you watched the game yesterday, the Giants defense struggled pretty much the entire game, um, aside from a couple situations. And the offense was the main uh, function. But he specifically said that the offense for the Giants usually has a, quote, forgettable player that just steps up at the right time. So he was using this to highlight Isaiah Hodgins, but he mentioned in the forgettable players, quote unquote, Mark Bavaro. And for anybody who doesn't know Mark hmm. Bavaro, he was a Giants tight end back in the 80s during the two Super Bowl runs that they had. Two-time All-Pro. He was an All-Pro in 86 and 87. He had 1,000 receiving yards in 1986. Now, again, remember, this was a time in which teams were not throwing the ball as much. And... If you're if for anybody's gonna have a thousand yard season, it wouldn't be a fucking tight end. He was Gronk before Gronk. Now, if it wasn't for a like a degenerative knee condition, would have been a ten team All Pro Hall of Fame type guy. Um, even like Lawrence Taylor, like I remember once seeing a video of Lawrence Taylor saying that like I don't even joke around with Bavaro because I don't want him to kick the shit out of me. Like he was just a tough big dude. And for him to lump in Mark Bavaro and like Colin Coward's a man in his fifties. So he was probably in his twenties during that, like night, then that giants run in the eighties. Like you have to know, but he also, he then says Isaiah Hodgins is a quote forgettable player. Now, like he's kind of giving him a backhand, a compliment, but like Hodgins was a sixth round draft pick that they got off waivers and stepped in and is become the number one receiver and a good number one receiver at that. I don't see how like labeling a first a guy who's finally playing as forgettable. It just it, it, it Mario was saying what yeah Mario loves Mark Bavaro, and like he's again he was one of the great highlights of it. I'm just I'm just tired of Cowherd. Like he's he oh, is very much a like backhanded compliment to the Giants winning that game yesterday because if anybody watched that game yesterday, you would have seen that it was an offensive display. Also, not mentioning that like the Giants have had elite defensive players throughout that entire uh, run. Michael fucking Strahan, for example, Justin Tuck, you know, guys that were were key to that. So I, I, I just it never made any sense to me. But I recommend everyone go follow that Twitter account because the some of the shit that like oh and by the way. Um, he said two weeks ago about the Giants that, oh, yeah, Brian Dable shouldn't have to worry. He's already been told that he's safe. So he can just go into this playoff game and, like, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I'm like, he's been told that he's been safe. This is the best like, team I, they've had in, like, five years. Like, he, of course he's first, safe. In his first year of, of coaching, a team that was expected to win four or five games goes to win nine games is in the playoffs and, by the way, wins a playoff game. It, it goes without saying that he's fucking safe, but of course he has to like highlight it. Like, like there was ever real danger of Brian Dable losing his job. He's just a fucking clown. Yeah. He's, 
The only good thing about Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports One is that it's so far away from anything that I watch that I never see any clips <laughs> from him ever again. Like he was doing stupid shit like that on ESPN when he was still there. And it was just like, this guy doesn't even fucking watch these games. And it's, just, it's just sad because he does make good points sometimes, but it just, he yeah. then will. The he worst doesn't... guy you know makes a good point yeah, sometime. Right. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. He's, he's a fucking clown. I'm just, I'm I like, but I do recommend to give a file to that Twitter account. Cause it's so funny seeing some of the shit that like, cause I don't watch cowherd at all. But some of this shit, I'm like, man, how does this guy get away with this saying shit like this? Yeah, Fox Sports 1 is basically like all of the worst parts of like mid-2010s ESPN, but just like crank the cringe up to 100 because Skip Bayless <laughs> is also there. <laughs> and they just stupid fucking opinions. Like you guys don't even watch this. You're just here. Um, I'll go next. So my asshole of the week, I don't know if you guys had heard about like there was a stretch of um, the answer is yes, Philly. <laughs> Does the name change mean Tom is podcasting for his job? That is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys had picked up on it, but there were like three murder or for three homicide, suicide, like incidents that happened within like a three day stretch across the country. Um, one of them happened here in North Carolina. One of them happened in Utah and the other one, it was all like murder suicides of like an individual murdering his entire family and then himself. Um, it's pretty terrifying shit actually, but I wanted to, I'm pointing my ire towards an obituary for one of the individuals. Um, Michael Height shot, his five kids, his mother-in-law and his wife of 20 years in his home and then um, killed himself. The obituary for him reads like he is God's gift to humanity. It talks about how generous he was, how much he loved life, how much he liked working for other people. And, I don't know who approved this obituary of this guy who murdered seven people, but that person should be fucking fired. It is insane that they let that get out. And there's a lot of people on the internet right now that are reading this and like, how the fuck is this guy being basically honored for being like a member, like a high and upstanding member of the community. And he's a fucking murderer. That's, that's become a meme by the way. Yeah, because like it, like it, you'll see it a lot of times. Like there's like a like a white dude. Remember, remember that I don't remember the name of the guy. He he murdered his girlfriend and then was like ran off and was like in the the desert or something. I don't remember yes. the name of the guy. Like the it's always very commonplace that when it's like a white dude who murders his family, the picture that they use is like some vacation photo, and it's like them all like happy and celebrating. And it's yeah, like, why don't you use this fucking mugshot? Like it's very common. It's it's become a fucking meme at this point. So yeah, it's him eating like one of those big steaks at JR Steakhouse or whatever, like smiling, holding it up. And it's like, dude, this guy like killed his girlfriend and cut her up in pieces and put her in a duffel bag and then like tried to get on a plane with her. Like you couldn't find any other pictures. Is there is there that much taboo about you know like talking? 
And God was going to leave us in suspense again. He's coming out with a book. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's just insane that, well, the, the, this, the thing that was also mind boggling is the number of like murder suicides that had happened in the last couple of days. Um, And then this comes out and it's only just makes it worse. So, I mean, they couldn't find any bad pictures of this dude. They couldn't find like, hey, this is the obit for a guy that murdered his whole family. What was the uh, what was the newspaper that posted that? Oh, I'm sure it was it was something in Utah. That's not shocking. Yeah. Church leader turns murderer storyline is so washed up, even the Jets won't sign it. (laughs) Oh, man. True story. Um, I don't know if Gatto is going to be joining us or not, but I would imagine that his asshole of the week is um, something funny. That's all I got for you right now. do you want to move on to Pix queue and then we'll just catch up with, with Gatto if he ever returns again, if the internet lets him back on? Uh, yeah. Um, I would say uh, my pick of the week I watched last night, uh, The Last of Us. Uh, it's the new show on uh, HBO Max. Uh, it's based on a video game. I do not know this video game. So um, I, I'm kind of glad that I don't because it's pretty much like, all new material to me and I don't know where it's going or anything like that. So kind of something I didn't have with like uh, house of the dragon. So uh, yeah, it was, I watched the first episode. It was really, really great. Captivating cast is incredible. Um, so I'm feeling really good about that. So I definitely recommend uh, giving that a check out. Yeah. The last of us is actually, it was like a PC only or a PlayStation only game. And there's three games that have come out and they're all excellent. So And we were talking about this um, a little bit earlier that, you know, it's rare for like video game shows or movies to break through and to see if they're any good. Um, So I, I, I'm hoping that HBO being behind it is going to make it something that people are going to want to see, but also they have enough like, production value in it that it doesn't feel cheap like so many other video game shows and movies have felt apparently a lot of people are saying it's very faithful to the material um like mm-hmm. almost shot for shot so that seems to be garnering a lot of good but like rotten tomatoes right now there's 97 critic reviews it's at 99 percent uh the audience score after around 2600 reviews is 96 percent. so it seems critical and users are really into it now i mean again i've been one episode in so i'm still trying to figure out everything because again I'm, i don't know the source material uh but it seems like it's uh it's it's gonna it's gonna go to a couple really good places so i'm really excited for it have they um did they release it all at once or is it one at a time no it's a it's a once a week sunday nights at uh, nine o'clock okay cool well i was waiting for it to come out i was i was gonna make it my pick of the week like a couple weeks ago but i Every like uh, HBO Max ad that came out for it never mm-hmm. gave like the date of release until like last week. So yeah, it was it was pretty much like I think it was supposed to be first like pretty much like oh it's going to be first quarter of the year, but then it was like they kind of 
set it up for January. So I'm glad. I'm glad it came out. Yeah. I'm going to uh, I'm going to vamp a little bit, waiting for Gatto to ever return. Um, and I'm going to read some of the picks that were given to um, fellow mice in our Discord. By the way, if you haven't yet, use that link to sign up for our Discord. I'm going to post it again very shortly. But uh, Philly chimed in with Andor, which is a Disney Plus show in the Star Wars universe. So Philly writes, uh, all the comforts of the Star Wars universe without any major connections to the original trilogy could stand alone as its own space caper or without being connected to Star Wars. And I agree with that. Like I've read a lot of reviews. I don't have a Disney Plus account, but I've read enough reviews and I've watched enough stuff on YouTube that says like, you don't need like the main storyline of Star Wars to hold this show up. It kind of does it on its own. Mm -hmm. And considering some of the flops that Disney Plus has had with the Star Wars universe recently, it's nice to have something that has enough breath or has enough like oxygen to live on its own. Kind of surprised they went with a character from a show that's from a movie that's not even really connected to like the main storyline. Um, the main character is from um, what's the name of that Star Wars Rogue One. And they were just able to build a, a show off of that. So I hope they're able to continue it. And did you want to say anything on that? I think they've kind of squeezed the original material kind of dry, you know, the Skywalker arc. So I think it's it's good that they're kind of branching out because like, you know, you can only do number one, like the nostalgia element is kind of gone at this point. So it's I'd like, agree. yeah, just like start you, you can. And I think a lot of times you hamstring yourself with that material. It's like you end up breaking like continuity that some people are kind of pissed off about. Um, so I think you're kind of establishing something that's completely new and that you can kind of make your own and, and no one really knows where it's going to go. And there's no, I, I hate plot armor a mm -hmm. lot. So they feel like, like, you know, you don't really know who's going to be in at the end. I think Mandalorian kind of lives in that space too. Um, Philly saying there's just enough callbacks that feels familiar without relying on nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. That seems like exactly where it's kind of going. I've, this, this is like a lot of people are saying Andor is really good and uh, critically it's also been heralded well. So I'm, I'm interested to see. I'm kind of going to dig into that soon. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And I think what they've tried to do now is doing a, a little bit of revisionist history with the entire storyline. And yeah. I get a little nervous when stuff happens like that. So yeah, I, I think agree. there is, again, I think there's enough there. And even... I think that, to be honest, I think the Star Wars universe is so interesting on its own. Even we're not getting into like the Jedi, like the the overall like that the Empire is interesting on its own. I think you're able to build enough around it to make it compelling. Um, so that is Philly's choice. One of the other ones was from Nate. Nate went to Atlanta this weekend and he said, my pick of the week is the homeless lady in Atlanta that called me sexy pudding cup while I was walking down the street. <laughs> it's a little bit different of a pick of the week, but we're good with it. <laughs> so Philly, Nate, appreciate your, um, your input to the show. And um, one can only hope we're all called a sexy pudding cup at one point in our lives. And 
Gato, welcome back. I hope the satellite dish moved for you. Uh, yeah, we're just outside of uh, the sun's um, noise signal, so <laughs> and we might have we might have about fifteen minutes before um, I go dark again. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, do you want to go with your pick of the week? Oh, you got to do both now. Oh, I got to do both. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'll just try to do this quick. Um, my asshole of the week um, is actually pretty interesting because uh, I feel like this is like the Elizabeth Holmes of fintech. Uh, JP Morgan uh, recently filed a lawsuit against a Charlie Javis. Um, oh, no. And it's a millennial the millennial founder of a student aid facilitating platform called Frank. Um, And it's basically um, what they allege. And uh, as, as the story goes is that they sold this, um, this FinTech uh, company over to JP Morgan. They, made like 175 million I want to believe was the number right so they got paid bank um essentially what they did was they paid a college professor $18,000 to fabricate 4 million accounts it was actually going to be 13 uh 13300 and uh they said if he went back and he changed the invoice so that it didn't make them as guilty um, they'd give him an extra 5k or whatever it was. Um, Gulag. Yeah, uh, there's something extra cringe too about millennial fraudsters. It's just like our entire generation kind of relies on being these like half truth, you know, fakes. <laughs> like, fake it to you. Altruistic fakes. Like yes. <laughs> so. Wh- Gato, is that your pick of the week or is that your asshole of the week? Are you telling us to invest in this? This is my asshole of the week. I would never tell you to invest in this. Um, This is, this is the like FinTech version of Bitcoin or, or Dogecoin. I don't know, whatever you want to say. It's, it's, it's just, you know, uh, what I find exceptionally ridiculous and terrible about this is that, JP Morgan bought in at such a high margin um, a a, col- a student aid platform. Um, I, I assume with the intention of making every bit of their money back, right? Like Actually. there's um, at a time when you know we're we're talking about student loan forgiveness and what have you. Um, it's kind of like. It's kind of it's kind of satisfying in the sense that like JP Morgan kind of got fucked a little bit here <laughs> um, for buying a, a phony. But like the the end of the day is like the people that basically signed on for for this student aid um, platform are the ones that that really you know I feel bad for because that those three hundred thousand accounts or whatever that they created. Um, or no, the the four million user accounts that they created did generate like three hundred thousand uh, legitimate accounts, and you know, um, people, you know, people are already being fucked around enough for their student loans and what have you, and it's just, you know, 
I, I don't. I, I, yeah, I sure. never. I never mind seeing Jamie Dimon eat shit. So it's always a good feeling when that happens. Yeah, he's he's a yeah. I, sometimes when they make those cocky for me, fuck, I'm already going dark here. Um, <laughs> quickly, pick of the week. So, uh, this is what happens when you try to um, you try to cast out of uh, a black site. <laughs> pick of the week, Anyhow. Otto, quickly. Uh, pick of the week is going to be uh, sick. Um, it's a slasher film on Peacock um, that kind of teases at and kind of pokes fun at our current um, zeitgeist. Okay, sick on Peacock. Got it. <laughs> um, zeitgeist, something, 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 Peacock. Okay. Pokes fun Quarantine at it. <laughs> I'm so mad. It's It's just one of those fuck you Mondays. So <laughs> it's all good. Watch. Uh, okay, so it's, you can you can go into it a little bit more next week. Uh, sick on Peacock. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, everyone out there. No, listening. you're good. No, you're all good, man. It happens. All right, Tommy, you want to take us out? Well, my my pick of the week is. Oh, wait, you be, had. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I wanted to to forfeit it to our friend who is operating on the moon, but the, the moon is <laughs> in the wrong direction. <laughs> um, my pick of the week is actually a YouTube. Um, show that's ran by Porsche and it is Road to Le Mans with Michael Fassbender. So Michael Fassbender for the last five years or so has um, been trying to break it into professional racing. He's rating in, racing in European G- GT cars and European Le Mans. Ultimately, his goal is to race in the 24 hours of Le Mans, which is a 24 hour race. Um it's, it's a really interesting show because it's him trying to learn how to be a competitive race car driver while also understanding the dynamics that come with a racing team. Um, it's all available on YouTube. All you got to do is type in Road to Le Mans, Michael Fassbender. He's quick. I mean, he's got talent. And I was watching one of the races that he was in where um, – somebody effectively ran into him when he was racing at night and he was able to bring the car home. Um, But all the same, he's gotten him and his team have gotten a couple of podiums already. So um, Lamon is coming up, I think I want to say in June or July, but again, it's, it's really different because it's endurance racing, which is not like a timed number of laps. It's we're going to race for 24 hours straight. This is how it's going to go. And for, I believe it's with world endurance. So, you know, it's eight hours here, 12 hours here, 24 at Le Mans. It's, it's a long time to be in a car, but um, it's really compelling. It's really well edited and shot too. Um, And there's some really good insights on there. This is Michael Fassbender, the actor. Mm -hmm. If only he was better at picking movies as he was as racing. Yeah. (laughs) Set a, a pretty tricky time the last couple of years. He went right from uh, Snowman to uh, uh, what's that? Uh, Assassin's Creed. So he 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 picked a couple Conquerors right in a row. Yeah. Uh, Gato Sick. I, I didn't realize Sick. Uh, the movie Sick uh, was actually written by Kevin Williamson, who wrote the original Scream. So uh, definitely very well known uh, horror writer. So I'm I'm into that. I will be watching that probably later. Yeah, should be cool. Cool. Did you get that? 
Yeah, we did. We're good. (laughs) I can't even. I'm having trouble at the point. I got so much delay on my side. I got to clean this shit up for next week. It's going to be fun. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we're I think we're good to go, guys. Tom. Yeah. So, I mean, that does it for us, um, folks. Thank you for, again for tuning in to the Second Mouse podcast. Um, streaming it on Twitter tonight. Thank you for all the folks who came out. Thank you to Philly. Thank you to Mario. Um, I know that Nasty Nate was out there as well. We appreciate all the support y'all gave us. Um, you can check us out on Twitch um, at Second Mouse. You can also find us on Discord as well. We had the Discord link running at the bottom of the screen for a while on this one. So please feel free to jump in. Gatto has done a fantastic job when he's not fighting with his modem of building out that Discord. So it covers pretty much whatever you want. But if there's something that you want to talk about that's not going to get us arrested, we'll be happy to build a channel for you. Yeah. Um, lastly, yeah. <laughs> thanks, Gatto. Appreciate it. <laughs> thanks, Gatto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lastly do us a favor and give us a like and a follow on um all of our social medias on instagram and on twitter but also too if you can help us out and listen to the show and refer it to your friends you can find us on spotify apple um podbean if you want we're trying to build out this youtube channel so give us some help here as well ultimately this is a show for all of you we want to just be able to talk about whatever we want. We're going heavy in football just because it's America's game right now. But we got other topics. Send them to us. We'd be happy to talk about them. Let us know in the comments how you feel. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Deuces, team. Okay, let's get me a rhythm. Follow me again. Then he says, and I'm not kidding, he goes, now clap. Please clap. Just clap for that, you stupid bastard. I need applause to live. Jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. Ha! <laughs> Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs>